This is totally unnecessary, but I bought it at Target a couple weeks ago and I am determined to keep using it because it's so much fun to make that noise. Hello, happy new year. Welcome to 2024. This is the first video that I've actually posted and like made public on my YouTube channel in I think a year or two. I normally do um, a lot of um, like little vlogs and video diaries and stuff, but I've always felt like those are just too personal. And I didn't want to share them. So um, this is me coming back to YouTube, I guess, <laughs> if anyone cares. Um, I have my baptism video that I would like to share and I haven't seen anybody do like commentary on their own baptism video they kind of just post their testimony and my church live streams their church services as, as well as like special events and like baptisms and stuff but I thought this was a be the best way that I could give like full context and of course I'll link in the description um just the unedited one without me giving all of my little commentary and side information and stuff. Um, but there's so much around the baptism that I also wanted to share that I thought is just as important as my baptism testimony itself. So this is the first time that I'm doing like a screen recording type deal. So hopefully I can figure it out and it all works out. I'm going to put the video right over here and we are going to watch it um, together. So let's, uh, let's do that. <laughs> Sorry, my mouse is back here. Obviously, I'm in my sewing space, so forgive the mess. This is kind of a spur of the moment deal. Here we go. Sometimes the simplest Ooh, things loud. can lead to the most incredible outcomes. I was one day, this might have been last year in June, maybe two Junes ago, I was standing on, in my driveway with uh, Brother Evan. He's one of, a, one of our brothers here at the church. And we were just standing there talking and this car pulled up in my court. Now I live in a deep court and you, you know, you don't just come to my court on accident. It's like, you got to actually be coming down here for a reason. That's why I moved there. You know? Okay. Real quick. <laughs> this is, uh, one of the pastors, uh, at my church. His name is pastor Ricky J and, uh, I've known him more or less my whole life. Cause I, like I said, I grew up in the church, so he's always been around. So what he's talking about right now, uh, which is kind of funny as he was talking because nobody he didn't say my name yet He'll introduce me later, but he's giving a backstory um, I was actually doing DoorDash like full-time. I had pulled into a cul-de-sac that was like really deep in like random streets that I had never really been to I saw people standing outside talking, but I was going like two houses down making a delivery and um, I didn't pay them any mind. They were just kind of standing like he said outside just talking and i'm making a delivery i'm dressed in like all black and i'm not having such a great day and yeah this this story's <laughs> pretty fascinating so this car comes down and it pulls up next to my neighbor's house and this girl gets out of the car and i'm like man she looks so familiar to me so i call out when she comes back to the car i'm like hey girl what's up which in hindsight, I was like, hey, girl, what's up? And I was just like, hey, girl, what's up? She looked at me. She was like, do I know you? I was like, I thought you did. I thought you So with that, <laughs> that was actually kind of a really, really awkward moment. Like, it's funny as he's saying it, but in real life, I was a little, not creeped out, but I was a little freaked out. You know what I mean? Because I was like, who is this person? So again, the, when I stopped going to church, um, I might've been, I want to say like 11 or 12 and he's a little bit older than me. Like, I think he's like 10 ish years older than me. Um, so me being 11 or 12 and him being somewhere in his early twenties, you know, we weren't friends. I saw him around. I knew who he was, but we had never really like interacted. So for me to, all of a sudden see him almost 20 years later I was kind of like I don't really reckon I don't really know who you are but he immediately knew kind of sort of who I was I I guess I looked the same so he recognized me but I was like I don't know you like who are you who is talking to me right now <laughs> and then I was just like man I, I thought she was one of my students I was like man and then I'm like are you from Vallejo she's like yeah I was like did you go to school out here 
And she was like, nah, I, I can remember she said she went to school. I said, did you, go to, did you go to church in Vallejo? And she said, when I was younger, I used to go to Revival Center. And I was like, I was like, Ricky Nutt. And she was like, oh my God. That's literally how it went. Exactly. I'm literally. not even embellishing that. It was that crazy. <laughs> we have these big personalities, you know. True. Very true. And so she came over for a second, and I just talked to her. And I invited her to church, and she's going to tell you the rest of her story. Those of you who know her, she's been just an incredible blessing to our church. Come on, clap it up for Ebony, everybody. Yay! And here I come with my little flip-flops. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that that's more or less how it went down, except it was a very kind of, like I said, it was really an awkward moment. When I did, when, as soon as he said his name, it clicked because I don't know anybody else on the planet with a name like Ricky Nett, except his dad, obviously. But I just instantly remembered and then I freaked out because that's so exciting. Like, how cool is it that somebody remembers you after like 20-ish years of, you know, falling off the face of the planet? Like, that was such a nice moment. And he doesn't know this and he didn't know it, obviously, at the time, but I had been wanting so badly to come back to church like I had been searching for God in literally all the wrong places to be quite honest I was searching for God in the men that I was dating and like I said after my breakup I desperately was searching for Christ but I felt like I didn't deserve to come back I felt like he didn't want me I felt like I had ruined my entire life I was too embarrassed to come back to church because I didn't want anybody to know what had happened uh, to me and what I had done to myself in that time that I'd been away. Um, just all these, all these things, right? Keeping me away. And little did I know God was orchestrating it so that I would absolutely come back. Like he had been drawing me in and pulling me in. And this day, totally quote unquote random, like there's no such thing as coincidences, right? But on this day, um, everything just came together and I like my mind was blown in that moment when I realized who he was and it was it was a happy moment but it was also kind of sad because I was like oh no now I have to face this what am I gonna do am I because he did invite me to church he was like uh this was after the pandemic was somewhat over um and the church was opening back up you know I was still really heartbroken still processing a lot of things and so I didn't feel ready um but it was nice to know that the door was open. I was so intimidated. I was so terrified and I was so ashamed of myself. Um, but he had asked me and it was so funny. He had asked me like, are you okay? Like, are you, are you good? Are you okay? Like he asked me that um, probably four or five times throughout that conversation. Um, and I was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I'm just working and you know, I'm busy and you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But, um, <laughs> No, I was not fine. I was absolutely at rock bottom. I was totally miserable, fully had reached the end of myself, but I was just like, yeah, I wanted to save face. Obviously, I wasn't prepared to tell him my like life story in that moment. And I think he definitely picked up on something being wrong and was kind of leaving the door open for me to talk if I wanted to, but because I was too afraid, I was just like, nah, I'm fine. But I got in my car and he doesn't know this because I didn't tell him, but I got in my car and I cried all the way home. <laughs> I cried all the way home because I knew that that was God calling me home essentially. And uh, it was just, it was a lot to deal with. And uh, I kind of explained that a little bit. Um, by the way, all the people that you see on the stage, um, you know, the musicians are there, but also the people behind us are the worship team. So they are also on stage, which was comforting and nice to have them there. It was a lot. I'll just leave it at that. So anyway, here we go. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I love you guys, too. Oh, those are my oh, friends man. in the back. Okay. <laughs> well, I'd like to tell you guys how you can get connected with our church here at Bible Center. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so if you guys didn't already... So I'm on the announcements team. Um, and I was... At this point, I'd been on the announcement team... I'm not sure how long. Maybe like 10 or 11 months. Almost somewhere close to a year. And... Uh, I was feeling so, obviously I'm so nervous, right? Because this is like the most vulnerable time of my life. And I thought, 
okay, I'm freaking out, my emotions are high, and so let me just break the ice by making a little joke and pretending to be, like I'm about to do the announcements so that I can kind of get rid of my nerves a little bit, <laughs> which helped, and I'm glad the joke landed because otherwise it would have been even worse, but yeah, little inside joke. I already know, my name is Ebony. Um, oh gosh, I'm so nervous, okay. <laughs> so, one of my favorite songs mirrors my own personal testimony so well that it's a little bit scary. Um, so it goes, fear is not my future, you are. Gosh, my nails Sickness were so long back story. then. You are. Heartbreak is not my home. You are. And death is not the end. You are. Okay. Can we all take a collective deep breath? <laughs> Inhale. And exhale. I can do this. <laughs> yes, you can, girl. You can so, do this. Believe it or not. Side note, that song, if you didn't recognize the lyrics, is uh, called Fear Is Not My Future by Maverick City Music. It is a beautiful, beautiful song. And I knew, like, since I started coming to church, uh, I, I think I, I don't remember when I heard that song. It was maybe a couple months before my baptism. And it just, it, like, I had it on repeat, like, all the time because it truly did speak to my own personal experience and it to this day it still makes me cry every time I listen to it because it just it just hits so close to home like every line hits me um so yeah I, I used to have severe social anxiety I couldn't make any friends I stayed locked in my room isolated with my nose in a book <laughs> Some years ago, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, PTSD, and I started on medication to manage. Okay, <laughs> I feel like, okay, hold on. I don't know if you just noticed it just now, well, you can hear my voice change, because my mom is in, I think, the second or third row from where I'm standing, and as soon as I started talking about that, like, as soon as I said I, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I could hear her just sob, like burst into tears. And it, it got me. And I was like, wait, mom, I didn't even, <laughs> I barely started talking. Like I'm trying to, I have a whole thing to get through. And so I just, I hear her crying and I know it's my mom and I start crying or I, well, I start getting really emotional, but I'm, I'm fighting to keep it going. Also the, the social anxiety, not being able to make any friends thing is so real and was such a uncomfortable thing to say out loud because I know most people don't like believe me when I say that because I do tend to be very like friendly and like bubbly and on, right? But number one, I think that a lot of introverts can understand that of being able to turn it on when you need to but then in like reality you're actually kind of <laughs> you're just on the inside kind of screaming all, all the time because it it uh I'm not an extrovert I think when I'm by myself I can thrive right or when I'm in like one-on-one -on -one, uh settings I can thrive but as soon as like a group comes I've kind of just retreat. They're so used to seeing me on stage doing the announcements and stuff and, and being forward facing, being on camera, being, you know, having a microphone in my hand and, and, and my personality is kind of shining, right? It's a little hard to believe that when I'm not on stage, or I'm not in front of a camera, that I'm actually really reserved. I'm pretty chill, pretty quiet. And like I said, like with my nose in a book, because I didn't really have a lot of friends. I was at a different high school every year. It was hard for me to maintain my friend group and 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 have long-term friendships and stuff like that um and so yeah it was just it was just a tough time but um yeah believe it or not that was one of my biggest struggles was social anxiety and I feel like I've definitely come out of that um God has definitely helped me to get over my fears little by little but I've definitely been working with him to conquer those fears and to be more sociable and to be able to go out and do things and not have a panic attack just in general so um so yeah those were some some pretty big struggles that i had to overcome but with the lord's help like i feel like i'm finally at a place where i'm letting go of the title of 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 introvert letting go of the label of social anxiety and stuff like that um still got a ways to go but for the most part i feel like i've definitely like i'm overcoming those things and it feels 
pretty amazing. <laughs> All right, let's jump back in. I tried to get ahead of God's plan, but that only landed me in a string of unhealthy and abusive relationships that I thought would break me. For as long as I can remember. Mm. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> I love how supportive everyone is. For as long as I can remember, I've struggled with self-hatred, which turned into self-harm mm. and immediately set me on a path to depression and suicide. And for so long, I had accepted that this is all my life would be. I built a life around what I could see and what I could feel, but all I felt was pain. Mm. That, I have so much I can say about that. Like even now I'm feeling, I'm not going to cry. I, I, I intentionally put makeup on so that I would discourage myself from crying on video because I'm a very ugly crier. <laughs> but that, that section right there is, so identity is a pretty crazy thing, right? Like we have an identity in Christ but if you don't know what your identity is in Christ, you will like label yourself, like anybody can tell you anything or anything can happen to you. And you'll think that's all that I am. That's all my life will be. And that's what I did. Like being, um, having a hard time making friends, right. Or keeping friends, like maintaining those friendships. I thought, oh, I'm just a loner or, oh, I'm just a loser or people don't really like me. So I thought I was just unlikable right? I had accepted that <laughs> just as a fact of my biology. I thought, okay, well, I'm in all these romantic relationships and they, you know, it starts out one way and very quickly it, they all take a nosedive and then they leave and they never want to commit to me. I realized, or they even, some of them have even told me that they never loved me, um, that they don't want a future with me, that, you know, all these things. And so I would think, oh, okay, well, I'm just not the kind of girl that people want to marry. I'm not lovable. I'm not somebody worth um, effort, communication, attention, affection. I don't deserve to be in a relationship or, or like a loving, healthy relationship because this is all that's happened to me. This is, this is my only experience. So, and it keeps repeating and no matter what I do or how I've changed myself, the same thing keeps happening to me. So I must be unlovable. It just, I just must be one of those people that this good things just don't happen to me. Okay. Um, I thought that, you know, because I wasn't, you know, being, praised for certain things or my accomplishments weren't that important to certain people, I thought, well, just nobody cares. Like, I'm just not important in general. Like, I'm just, I'm just invisible. That's all, that's what it, that's what it is. I, I must just be invisible. Like, my life doesn't matter very much. Everything that I had attached to myself, everything that I was speaking over myself, everything that I believed about myself, um, was rooted in, in that pain. It was rooted in rejection, in sadness, in loneliness, in uh, un unfulfillment, like a longing that has, was never being fulfilled or needs that were never getting met. Um, I was just a very sad person and that's how I walked through life. And that's the uh, uh, treatment that I would accept from people because that's what I thought that I deserved. If anything, I, I thought I deserved to be punished because of all of my like mistakes and, and, and things like that. So yeah, I was just like, this is, this is who I am. This is, this is what's happened to me. This is what's going to keep happening to me. This is all that my life will ever be. Um, and I had accepted it. Um, and what I mean by accepting it is like I said, I was, I was living that out. I was, I was letting it happen. This is what it is. I just have to learn how to, how to deal with, misery. <laughs> I had to learn how to deal with the cards that I was dealt. You know, this is, this is as good as it's going to get, even though good was awful, you know, but it was because I didn't know. Um, and not because necessarily nobody told me, like I said, I grew up in church, but, uh, and my parents were pastors and, um, they obviously loved me to no end, but at the same time, 
there was a period of, of my life where uh, I lived separately from my parents and then there was a time where I even moved away and lived with a boyfriend for a while. For a very long period of time, regardless of what somebody else was telling me, like I said, I had already accepted this. So I couldn't even hear any good things about myself, about my life. Like there was good moments, like I wasn't miserable 24 seven. Um, but for the most part, I had just accepted all of these terrible things that had impacted me so deeply. I accepted whatever from whoever um, and I really didn't question it. I've never been the kind of person that would then take my pain out on other people. Um, I've, I've always been the, the kind to kind of, um, go inward and take that pain out on myself. And not only that, but I would, and I hate to say this cause it's so awful and I don't want this for anybody, but I would even go as far as, um, not necessarily seeking people out that would also hurt me, but when people would inevitably fail me or do something wrong towards me or hurt me in any way, I, I would also accept that as because I thought that's what I deserved. Uh, to be quite honest, I felt like I deserved punishment for my choices, mistakes, just because of who I was as a person. I just felt like I just, you know, I'm just gonna be a punching bag. I'm just gonna be a doormat. If that's what somebody sees me as, it must be true because I, like nothing else good is coming my way. So I must just be someone that people take their anger out on. I don't know, whatever. So I just, I would, I would accept mistreatment and I would kind of be okay with people taking their pain out on me because I felt like I deserved pain <laughs> pain and punishment and it, it that is a horrible awful place to be uh, I'm not there anymore praise the Lord but that's that's where I was I just I had accepted it and I was living that out and I didn't think that anything I, I just I thought that's what I deserved which couldn't be further from the truth but that's where I was <laughs> I wanted answers and a way out, but I wasn't willing to let go of the brokenness that had become my identity. Mm -hmm. And God knew that. He knew I wasn't ready. So right there, not being ready and like God knowing that I'm not ready. So I've heard a lot of people say things like, um, in the past, not about me, but just in general, um, like, oh, I'm struggling or I'm suffering. Why doesn't God just save me? Why doesn't he just pull me out? Why doesn't he just change my situation around? Like, what's the holdup, right? Like, like if he's real, right? Like, why doesn't he just come take me out of this thing and deliver me from it? Sometimes we're not ready for that. <laughs> like, we're, like, if we're really honest, we might be sick of where we are. We might be in a lot of pain. We might be super miserable and just struggling and feeling like we're about to hit a brick wall. But at the same time, if we're really honest, we don't want somebody to save us yet. You know, we're not ready to give up that illusion of control, right? Because like I said, me finding people and me staying in those situations where people are hurting me, like me knowing that they're that's what they're doing, like intentionally hurting me and me staying there is reinforcing what I already believe about myself. It's, and it's, and it's giving me a, like a really sick sense of control, or I know that this is like burning my hands, but I'm gonna hold on to it because it's mine. You know what I mean? Like you get protective over whatever it is that you're like dealing with, struggling with, or something that you believe about yourself, even though it's killing you, it is ruining your entire life, but it, but it's yours or you think it is, right? Like you, you've accepted it as a part of yourself. It's not just something that's happened to you or something outside of you. You've now accepted this as a part of who I am. Like inherently, this is, this is a part of who I am now. And to let it go, to open up and to let God in so that he can take that away, so that he can change your life around, so that he can deliver you, you lose that illusion of control now. And I don't want, I don't actually want that. I just, I just want things to get better, but I still want to maintain some semblance of control over what's happening. 
that's the truth. I, I He knew that, that even though I was crying out to him, I, like I said, I wanted answers. I wanted a way out of this miserable life because I, even though I felt like I was hitting rock bottom, I knew I just, there was something. Now I know it's the Holy Spirit. There was something on the inside of me that knew there was more. There was better. I didn't deserve this. There's, there's a way out of here. There's hope. There's love. There's joy. There's something. But I just didn't know how to get there. I didn't know how to connect the dots. I didn't, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what the answer really truly was. Um, and like I said, I, I think God knew I was not actually to the point yet that I was ready to give up that control, but I was getting there. I was slowly coming closer and closer to him. And like the Bible says, you draw near to him, he will also draw near to you. And uh, through the, the relationship in particular that I'm, that I'm like referencing right now, um, we were together off and on for two years. And during the second year that we were together, uh, I started to feel like I was, okay, sorry, my video cut off. Um, like I was saying during the second year of that relationship, I started to feel like mentally and emotionally a pull away from my then partner and I couldn't really explain it uh partially it was because I wanted to go back to Christ and I, I wanted to follow Christ again but that relationship didn't allow for that he wasn't a believer I don't know what he's doing now it's none of my business but at the time he was not a believer and so that wasn't really like it wasn't exactly discouraged because he knew that about me that I did have a faith even though I wasn't clearly I wasn't strong in it because uh, we were running around doing all kind of stupid stuff in our relationship but um, it wasn't exactly discouraged but it wasn't encouraged either and I didn't feel like it was wanted and I didn't know how to express it I didn't think I just felt like it would rock the boat and so I never ex really got a chance to explore my faith while I was in that relationship um, even though that's what I was wanting more and more and more of. Um, and so during that last year-ish of our relationship, I don't know if it was a full year, actually. I think we it might have been like 10-ish months. But during those 10 months, um, I started to feel more like gravitating towards Jesus, but I couldn't really explain it and I didn't really have anybody to talk to about it. And so it was kind of all over the place. And it was this back and forth. But like I said in the beginning, I felt so much shame about where I was at that point in my life that it was, there was such a block that I couldn't get past in order for me to like, number one, leave the relationship and number two, enter a relationship with Christ. Like it was, it was a monumental struggle for me in, in that year. And, um, yeah, it was a, it was a struggle. <laughs> All of that to say, when I say that God knew that I wasn't ready um, for that change or to change my life or whatever, um, what I mean is, is God knew exactly where I was in my life. He knew where my heart was, but he also knew the circumstances that I was in and that I would never, truly, I would never be able to fully come to him or even be ready to come to him because I was still holding on to this relationship that was literally killing me. We can get through this together. <laughs> and that's not to say that he is a horrible person. He's, I don't think he's even a bad person. He was just bad for me. And I, like I, to this day, I don't admonish him. I don't call him names. I pray for him when he crosses my mind, him and his now wife, but um, he's not a horrible person. We were just horrible t together. <laughs> we did not belong together at all. And I obviously, I know that now, but I, because I was at that time, I was literally white knuckling that relationship and I would not let go. God knew I wasn't gonna let go. He knew I had, that relationship in the place of my heart where he should be and as long as I was there I could never I could never give God my all while I was in that relationship and so when that relationship did finally end he totally blew it up for me like <laughs> and it was devastating it was absolutely devastating but the Lord ended up later that year 
blowing up that relationship beyond repair and there was no going back obviously i can't speak for him i'm sure he'll tell a different story but uh, for me it was a really ugly breakup and it devastated me to my core um and but that's where i needed to be that's where i needed to be in order for for me to realize like girl you actually do need a savior you cannot fix this you cannot control this well i just decided that i'm gonna make my dreams come true by getting into relationships with these men that i shouldn't be in they can't save you either <laughs> if anything they'll just keep breaking you down into pieces but like the that was that was when i knew i absolutely needed a savior and i was i was ready then when that relationship ended and i was fully emptied of everything uh that i thought that i had built up within myself within the context of those relationships and stuff um that was when i was i was truly ready to come back to christ and everybody doesn't have to get to that point <laughs> i really hope nobody gets to that point i don't want anybody to have to reach the end of themselves and be totally devastated and heartbroken in order to come to christ i hope you just do it now but sometimes some people speaking for myself we have to learn the hard way and i'm one of those people that had to learn the hard way um and so that's what it was <laughs> and god knew that he knew i wasn't ready and in 2021 in god's providence i ran into pastor rick on a random day <laughs> very random uh, he invited me to Revival Center and it took a couple months for me to get over the shame I felt of who I had become and what I had made of my life I think I, I saw him in the summertime but the moment and I so I came back to church like in the fall yeah. I knew I found what I'd been searching for in my time here, it I've was, been reintroduced to It was to Jesus, instant. Accepting him as Lord, not just Savior. <laughs> and I learned what it truly means. And that's... Mm. Okay. So that... <laughs> I learned what it truly means. So I've known Jesus my entire life, but only as Savior. Right? Some people know Jesus as a friend, uh, a counselor, um their defender, supporter, you know, all these different things. We, we hear these names all the time, um, that God is this, God is this, and Jesus, you're, you're my best friend and blah, blah, blah. Like I've heard that my entire life. I didn't know it though, right? There's a difference between knowing something intellectually or hearing something and then personally knowing it from experience, like knowing it for yourself, like, like knowing that you know that you know. And I never knew God is anything other than savior or never knew jesus as anything other than my savior right like he died on he, he came to earth he was born he lived he had a ministry for a few years he died on the cross to save us all and then he went back up into heaven praise the lord that was it like it was very much a surface level knowledge of jesus and while i had certain things buried in my heart that i can talk about at a later time like you know like the bible says train up a child in the way that they should go and, the, and when they uh, are older they will they won't depart from it i'm probably butchering that sorry y'all i'm still working on memorizing scripture pray for me but um there was a lot of things that were still always inside of me that i could no matter what happened in my life no matter how low whatever low i was hitting i never never left me which is why i was able to be drawn back into christ like i wasn't so far gone that he had just written me off forever um or that i had even written him off forever but i didn't know and this is because i never really dug into that relationship with him i, I never explored it i never I never tried i just kind of left it where it was because like i said when i stopped going to church i was maybe it's somewhere in middle school i don't know how old i was i might have been 11 or 12 possibly 13 i don't really remember but um i i had a, a very surface level knowledge of of christ just in general and that's kind of where it stayed <laughs> and so i'd always be really curious when people were just like what does it mean for him to be your friend what does it mean for him to be a father what does it mean for him to be 
uh, your counselor, your protector, your whatever, whatever, fill in the blank, right? I didn't know what that meant. Um, he seemed um, distant, you know, like he's just up in the clouds somewhere watching, but like, that's about it. And so I didn't, I, I couldn't relate. I couldn't understand him. I didn't understand him. And not that I didn't want to, but I just never felt a need to get closer. I was just like, mm, this is fine. <laughs> and, um, but here, obviously what I'm talking about is learning what it means now for myself to see a different side of Jesus. He's not just my savior. He's also the Lord of my life now. Like I want him to be in the driver's seat. Like, you know, and so it wasn't in the moment that I came back to church, but over the course of that year, that first year that I had come back to Christ, like I truly, truly learned what it means for God to be the Lord of my life, not just some distant savior off in the clouds. Um, and there's so many different facets of him that I'm still getting to know, which is so exciting. Um, but yeah, I know him now as the Lord of my life, which is so, <laughs> honestly, so freeing and so liberating and just like the weight, you know what I mean? Like there's so much I can talk about. Maybe I'll make a separate video of, of what it means to go from, at least speaking from my own personal experience, what it meant to go from savior to Lord and then to friend, because what I'm working on now is getting to know him as my friend um, and getting to know God as my, my friend and getting to know the Holy Spirit as a, 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 a close personal friend. You know what I mean? Like that's what's next for me for sure. But, um, one of the biggest and, and, and coolest things ever is, is to go from him just being a savior to actually being the Lord of your life is like a massive huge huge difference life-changing shifted every aspect of my life and i never want to go back to a life without him never never again <laughs> never again <laughs> psalm 34 18 through 20 says the lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit the righteous person may have many troubles but the Lord but the delivers, Lord him, delivers from them him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Not one. Do you hear me? I'm freaking out because that is such a, such a beautiful scripture. Because again, remember, I felt like I absolutely deserved to have all my bones broken. <laughs> I deserved all of these, all of these things. And I was brokenhearted. That was the most heartbroken I probably have ever felt in my entire life. Like no one has, like no relationship has affected me so deeply as that one. And again, this is not to bash my, my, my ex-boyfriend. He's not a terrible person, but that relationship was terrible for me. And I'm sure it was bad for him too. Like he wasn't having a ton of fun either. Um, also, quick, quick aside, I don't know if you've noticed the people in when the, it flips to where you can see the audience, the audience, the, the people, whatever, when you can see the people in the audience, uh, on the right side of the screen is where my family's sitting. <laughs> it, uh, they're like close to the front, but while I'm talking, and this is again, is why it's so emotional and it's not harder to get through when they do this. It actually helps you get through it, but I can hear them as I'm talking on stage. And you can probably hear some of them in the background too, that they're cheering me on and they're praising God as I'm talking um, about what he's brought me out of. And they're, they're lit like literally, I can hear them praying as I'm speaking and I'm feeling emotional right now because it, it's just the kindest thing. But they're praying as I'm speaking I don't know what they're praying about, but I can tell you this. I know that my family is praying for me to continue talking and they're praying out of the thankfulness of what they've seen me go through. And now where I'm at, you know, where God's brought me to at that point, like they're, 
grateful and I'm grateful too. So it's emotional because you're sharing something super vulnerable, but it's also emotional because it's, it's releasing all of the stuff that you've been through and saying, this isn't who I am anymore. This is done. This is gone. God's pulled me out of this and this, this is past tense now. Um, and then it's emotional because you have the support of everybody that you know and love there, you know, cheering you on in this new chapter of your life, in this new walk with Christ that you're, that you're embarking on. And it's just, it's an incredibly emotional time. And then they got the piano playing in the background. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> but yeah, just a little quick aside is my family is actually, you can't see them. They're all shadows, but my family is right there um, on the right side of the screen, just kind of like praying me through it and it's so so encouraging so friends <laughs> friends <laughs> it's hard to say they're all my friends <laughs> i didn't think that i would live past 19 i didn't think i'd live past 22 or 26 that is so hard to admit i i hate admitting that because I don't want that to I'm be sorry, the story of my life, but it is. Hear it. I've never admitted that to them, and I'm sorry to say it. <laughs> so, but by the grace of God, I'll be 30 soon. My 30th birthday was a couple months after this baptism. And I'm 30 now, so hey, we made it. <laughs> I love you too. I love you. He's freed me from paralyzing mm -hmm. fear the prison of mental illness, crushing heartbreak and death. How dare I keep How silent. dare you? Are you kidding me? Like that and that, I still think that. Um, just, well, first of all, if you couldn't understand my squeaky voice when I was like super, you know, you get choked up, your voice gets higher and you, you know, you start freaking out. So if you couldn't understand what I was saying, I was saying that Oh my God, I, I never admitted that to my parents. They're right here. And I'm so sorry to admit that in front of everyone for the first time, which is, I mean, they've known I've had struggles. They've obviously seen me. They know that I struggled with self-harm. They knew that I was in therapy. They knew that I had um, suicidal ideation for uh, years and years and years of my life. Um, but I'd never told them like specifically like, at, at the time that I was suicidal, like, you know, I would always tell them like later on when I was past it. Um, but there was multiple times where I was like resigned. I was ready to leave this world. I was done. And I had never admitted that to them. And I w was worried that I would freak them out in this, like, like on stage. Like I was worried that like, oh no, I'm, I'm saying something really hard to hear in front of everyone that they have to deal with for the first time. But it wasn't so bad because afterwards I re like not necessarily in that moment, but afterwards when I was still feeling slightly embarrassed about it and like worried about what their reaction would be, I knew that they would understand just like everyone else in the room that again, this is past tense. That happened and sure, it can be really jarring to hear as a parent, obviously, but I trust that they know that that's gone, that's done. I'm not there anymore. I was and it's awful but it's over. It's over. I'm not in that space. God's freed me from this. It's over. So I didn't feel so bad about it after like a moment of like overthinking and feeling a little bit bad, but um, that's done. That's not who I am anymore. <laughs> freed me from paralyzing fear, the prison of mental illness, crushing heartbreak, and death how dare i keep silent how dare you stay quiet oh my god and i still feel that way and that's one of the driving forces of why i tend to be so transparent in my everyday life there was a period of time where i was quiet for a really long time because i was so scared to like rock the boat because i if i did that if i spoke up if i was honest then i would be a problem or a liability to some people or I would be too much to deal with and then they, they would leave they would reject me they would abandon me and I didn't want that so for a really long time actually now that I think about it 
there was a period of time where I was just silent. I didn't speak up. I didn't question anything. I didn't acknowledge what I was feeling. I wasn't being upfront about what I wanted, what I needed. I was just, I was quiet. If you have the answer to a problem, why would you keep it to yourself? If I know that there's a girl out there who is searching for the same things I was searching for in men that I know she'll never find in them, that can only be found in Christ Jesus. Why would I not tell her that? Why would I watch her suffer? Why would I watch somebody struggle with mental illness? Why would I watch somebody struggle with accepting themselves or loving themselves? Why would I watch somebody go through the absolute misery and just the hamster wheel of self-harm if I know that there's a way out of that, there's an alternative, that, that they don't have to be hopeless, that they don't have to be miserable, that they're not by themselves, that somebody loves them more than they can ever imagine. And even more than that, Jesus is not a secret. He is the best thing that has ever happened to me. How, why would I be quiet about it? Why, why, just why? <laughs> just why? There are other people who need to know, who maybe, like me, had just a surface level knowledge and need to be reintroduced. Maybe there's people who went to church at one point, maybe got hurt by the church itself or whatever, and they disappeared, but they need to know that that's not God, that's people. You've been hurt by people, and I'm sorry, but there is a man who walked this earth, who will one day walk it again, who will never hurt you. Never, 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 who will always keep his promises to you, who will always make good on, on those promises, who will always be faithful to you, who will always be there to support you, who will always care about you, listen to you. Why would I keep that to myself? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that literally, does, that, especially, especially when I am so vocal about literally everything. I talk all the time. I am vocal about all of the things. Why would I then be silent about the greatest thing that has ever happened to me, that I know will be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you? Why would I, why? And if you're quiet, if you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're, if you're a follower of Christ and you're silent about it, ask yourself why? Are you embarrassed? Are you ashamed? Are you afraid? of other people's like perception of you? Are you afraid that they'll make fun of you? Or that they won't believe that you're a different person now than you were before? That, that you've changed, that you've been transformed or whatever? Are you scared that they're gonna call you a hypocrite? Are you scared that they're gonna turn away? Are you scared that they'll reject Jesus? Well, let me tell you something. It's not your job to worry about whether or not they're gonna reject Jesus. Your job is to spread the good news of the gospel. We can't be scared of people's perception of us. They're gonna think what they're gonna think regardless of what we do. There's no way that you can control that or like control how they're gonna receive the information. Your job is just to share it. If you are silent now about your faith in Christ or about what Christ has done for you or who you used to be versus who you are now, anything like that, ask yourself why. Because how dare you? <laughs> Honestly, how dare you? People need this information. Through your testimony, no matter what you might think about your own testimony, you have a really big opportunity to make Jesus real and tangible to someone. So how dare you? The longer you wait, the longer they have to suffer. So think about that. Anyway, let's get back to it. <laughs> it's almost over. So today with full confidence, I've chosen to publicly declare my faith Confidence. Jesus, pick up my cross and follow him. Because... <laughs> Just try to breathe. We're almost there. You can make it. I'm not going to cry. He's never given up on me. No, he hasn't. And I've come to realize. Oh, and there it goes. <laughs> I had to turn away, y'all. It was a lot. It was a lot. But it was good. I've come to realize that it doesn't matter how far you've gone, where mm -hmm. you've been, or how long it's been. You can always, always come home. Yes. Yeah. 
just sobbing from this point on, just absolutely sobbing. <laughs> but again, just like I said, uh, like knowing from experience now, not just through the story of the prodigal son returning, I now know firsthand what that feeling is like that you are absolutely never too far gone no matter what you've done where you've been and who you've been with like you're never ever ever too far gone for god to save you and i know that now and then bloop, there it is <laughs> and i couldn't even get up i just had to have a moment and just release just let it all go Yeah, I couldn't even get up for a minute. I was <laughs> just... So that was my baptism. Um, yeah, and like I said, at the end of it there, I just had a moment. Not everybody does that. They share their testimony or not, and then they, you know, go into the water excited, they're yelling, they're happy, and then they, you know, go on about their business. But for me, it was definitely like a huge it was a moment for me and I, and so I took a moment to just cry to the Lord and just let it out and just be and just let him know like how grateful I am to be there like like I said like I was so ashamed that I truly felt like I'm too far gone like God doesn't want me what like how, like I am an embarrassment to him like I call myself a Christian and this is what my life is this is the choices that I've been making over the last few years this is where I've ended up like I'm an embarrassment like I didn't think I could ever come back um, but then I did and like I said he was welcoming me back with open arms and he loves me and all of that stuff is like washed away and I'm like a new but like oh, there's so many things that I could say and I don't really want to get into it because I'm that's not really what I wanted to say right now I just kind of wanted to share all of that and give context to my testimony but yeah also another thing that is not on camera I think I still have the video in my phone. I might have moved it somewhere else, but if I can find it, I'll put the video right over here. Uh, this is like a little sneaky video that uh, a friend of mine, a sister in Christ, Kat, but when I walked off stage um, and came back down before I went to the next room to change clothes and dry off and all that stuff, um, my dad actually came out from his seat and walked up to meet me at the end of the stage and he just hugged me and he just like told me how much he loved me and he was proud of me uh and that I you know he was glad that I, I got through it and and he's so excited for like what God's doing in my life and to keep going yeah you know, he was just being really encouraging and it was such a nice moment to have <laughs> after to to be embraced by uh, my dad in that moment especially because so my whole family was there well not my whole family but my my family was there and then i actually had a couple friends that were in the audience as well they were on the other side uh and i waved to them i saw them shout out to you guys if you're watching this right now and my therapist was also there <laughs> uh watching and so i was like hey is it okay if i if i let other people go in front of me until my parents get until my dad gets here and then i can go and they were like yeah that's fine that's fine that's fine so um they go and the line's getting smaller and smaller and my turn is coming and now I'm at the very end so I was actually one of the last people to go um there was some last minute people that got baptized um after that hadn't originally like signed up for it just spurred the moment but uh I was the last one to like officially be go in line to to be baptized I think somebody at the time was giving their testimony before me. I'm looking in the audience, I'm asking my friends that are near me, I'm like, have you guys seen my dad? Has anybody seen him walk in? Like, I don't see him. I, when I look at my phone, he's he hasn't texted me back. I don't know where he is. Like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> like, I cannot stall anymore. Like, it's time. Like, it's my turn now. I'm, I'm next. There's no one else thinking that he's gonna miss it and that this is like a huge moment of my life that he's gonna miss out on and I'm so sad. <laughs> So I go towards the stairs on the side and I'm like, well, this is it. This is all I can do. I, there's nothing else I can do. Um, I mean, at least it's being recorded so he can watch it later. But dang, it sucks that he's going to miss it. <laughs> and so I'm sitting at the, at the bottom of the stairs kind of because I've been standing up this whole time. So I'm sitting down and I'm waiting and I see him uh, come down the aisle and walk towards the stage to, to let me know that, that he's here. And I freak out and I'm like, okay, everything's fine. I'm good, I'm ready, I'm, I'm pumped, I can do this, I can do this. My dad's here, he's, he's not gonna miss it. 
uh, it won't just be like a story that I have to tell him later on. Like he, he gets to witness it. On the stage, like nobody else knew except the people that were in line with me knew that um, I had chosen to go last because like I said, I was originally supposed to go first. <laughs> um, don't know why, I, I think probably because uh, people are used to seeing me on stage so they thought it would be cool to have like a familiar face kind of kick it off, I guess. There were so many baptisms that day. Uh, there was a lot of baptisms and, and, and they were all touching. So by the end of it, I don't think a single person in the building uh, had not cried at least twice. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot and it was so beautiful to share that moment too with uh, some of my close friends now, um, like Angel and Alyssa, they gave uh, their testimony as well. And you don't have, you didn't have to sh share your whole testimony. Like I said, you could just go up there and just get baptized and then go on about your business. But we decided to share our, our testimonies. And it's so funny too, because before this happened, they had said, if you wanted to share your testimony, we'll choose a few people for the sake of time. Um, they said that they would choose a few people to share their testimony and then, you know, they would get the opportunity to share. And they ended up, anybody that had a testimony ended up sharing, uh, wound up being able to share their testimony, which I thought was the right way to go. I feel like everybody deserves to have their testimony shared and told and, and to, to celebrate this new moment in their lives. And so I thought that was definitely the right decision, but it was kind of funny to be like, well, just kidding. Everybody gets to share it. It was like, it was, it was nice. And I'm glad and so proud of my friends for sharing their testimonies too. Cause obviously I didn't know that part of their life and it, and it, it just makes it that much more beautiful to know where God has brought them out of and where they are now and to see them be the incredible women of God that I know now and get to call my friends like, are you kidding? This is amazing. So yeah, that was my, that was my baptism. That was my testimony and kind of like the story behind it. I had, I had never really shared anything about my baptism on any of my social media really, or with any of my friends, even outside of my you know, church community, I don't really talk about it. <laughs> I don't really share it. And really not for any reason in particular, other than it just never came up. feel like there's, it's not a quick conversation, right? Like it, it ends up being this long winded thing that I feel the need to explain. So I just never really brought it up and it didn't really feel appropriate to share it on my social media because my social media is all about sewing and like pretty dresses and stuff. So it would feel out of place to suddenly be like, hey, here's my baptism testimony. It, <laughs> it just felt weird. But in recent months, I've been taking my own advice, right? Like, how dare you be quiet about this? And so I've always shared little tiny things here and there about my faith since I've been on like Instagram, Facebook and whatever, but I've never like really expressed it and really talked about it and really shared what I know and what I don't know and all these other things. So I've made more of an effort in recent months to be more vocal about my faith because it is my entire life at this point. <laughs> like my whole life revolves around Jesus and I wouldn't have it any other way. And it doesn't make sense to hide that part of myself anymore. So little bit of a struggle trying to figure out how to make that make sense with what I already am doing and what I do enjoy sharing right now, which is fashion and sewing and creating things. So I don't know how that's going to go, but this is my first little faith centered video here on my channel. And I guess we can look forward to more of that. I don't, I have a lot of ideas and a lot of plans. We'll see if they actually come together. I don't know, but I hope you enjoyed the video, I guess. And if not, that's okay because it was for me more than any of you guys anyway. It was it was for me to kind of look back on this moment of my life and to, honestly, it's like re-energizing. And that song that they're singing, um, Who Am I To Deny With The Lord, that song that they were singing at the end, still, every time, it's like I have like a Pavlovian response at this point. Like every time they sing it in a church service, immediately I'm sobbing. I'm absolutely sobbing. <laughs> so it's definitely very much connected to that, to, to, to this moment of my life forever for me. And it just brings back to the forefront of my mind. Um, old me, that old version of Ebony is gone. Let her go. Do not resurrect her. You are not that person anymore. God brought you out of this, this, and this. Do not go backwards. You laid all this stuff at Jesus's feet. 
leave it there. Um, so it's just a good reminder. Yeah, so hopefully that was, I don't know, I don't want to say entertaining, but hopefully um, that helped give you a little bit more context on my baptism and um, inspires you in some way, or like I said, makes you think about your own faith journey. Um, and yeah, thanks for watching, I guess. Uh, and I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>